the guitar i have right now um i'm in the process of getting a a proper acoustic guitar um the uh one that you've seen in this podcast many times before um is actually like broken and it always has been (laughs) it always Um, has been and always will be (laughs) yeah um so i have made the commitment to get uh, not it doesn't have to be super fancy, you know, but just like a decent playing guitar. You know, uh, Sam has that yeah. traveling one, that little Taylor that I really, really like. But uh, I don't I know if I need great. a Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, you deserve the best. <laughs> I'm going to get the best, Nico. Get I'm going to get a an Ibanez. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get honestly, a, a, an Ibanez, the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think once you hit 30, there's one thing in life to just save up some money for and spend it on it's a good instrument assuming you play yeah. instruments. if you've been playing well, instruments up to this point and you still haven't stopped now's the time to buy a nice one that's true i have been playing instruments since i was i've been playing guitar since i was 12 up to this mm. point and i haven't really stopped um, and if you don't play an instrument get an instrument when you're 30 because your friends will think you're cool hey. yeah yeah, yeah. but don't really don't get cool. an expensive one no <laughs> so get, get an i'll wait three years and then i'll learn an instrument yeah yeah because right now Definitely. i have smooth brain no instrument exactly. knowledge Dude, right now, what a so. plan matt yeah that's a great plan yeah it's the it's the midlife crisis plan <laughs> knowing an instrument takes the takes the wrinkles off your face and puts them in your brain that's right. <laughs> yeah well said <laughs> wow I don't even know what that means, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> Keeps you youthful and makes you smarter. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. You need to wrinkle your brain a little bit more, it sounds like. I Clearly. <laughs> Get them brain wrinkles, son. Clearly. You got that chrome brain, dude. <laughs> Let me just make buy guitar. There we go. There you Note go. made. It's, it's <laughs> I'll do the same, Jake. Okay. But you, you, you have it. Set it now. Yeah. And then have like your Google Calendar notify you. It's, three it's years scheduled. from now yeah. on it's your birthday for my birthday in three years yeah. <laughs> yeah. jake you should get one of those guitar kits where you make your own guitar and you should make a vlog about it i'm just saying it's uh, it's, it's saying. A, okay i it's know you got a lot of free time yeah that sounds really <laughs> tough to do, do. do. Uh, you just follow the instructions it's yeah. <laughs> it's a fine art making a good guitar it's uh, craftsmanship. It's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. No one said that. <laughs> oh, it's not Balance. gonna be good. <laughs> but it'll be yours. I'd yeah. rather just, you know how, and you know how cheap you can get like a decent guitar these days. It's pretty amazing. Go to a secondhand you, store, man. Secondhand music store. Well, that too. I mean, the old one was a Yamaha that I got for like a hundred bucks. Um, and you know, with a nice pair of strings on there, it actually sounded like pretty good. Um. You, there's a noticeable difference when you play like a, a real guitar, but yeah, uh, you know, m- marginal. 
Some of the best guitars I ever played are like old warped guitars with super mm. high actions, and you can barely press oh, the strings yeah. down, but they sound amazing. J- that sounds because <laughs> like janky, the wood, dude. the wood in a guitar, it like it actually resonates the, better the older it is. It's like mm. you know, huh. a brand new guitar isn't going to sound as nice, especially in classical guitars. Like huh. finally, my Yamaha, my starter student classical, has mellowed out, and it's like the best sounding guitar now. It's That's like, crazy. and it's yeah. like been 12 years <laughs> so i wonder wow. if you can put them in like a wine cellar and it'll you <laughs> know in wine it'll, for 12 it'll years. age faster i mean aren't the best violins in the world the stradivarius violins that were made in like the 1500s or whatever dude and like people still use them and play with them mm-hmm. yeah oh my god yeah. that's yeah. too much for imagine? me dude i can't i couldn't handle that kind of pressure Look, if you're like the best violinist yeah. in the world, go for it. Like, isn't that cool to like have this artifact and still like have it? That's amazing. Music? That's so cool. That's like the most cool. Dude, I got to go to the Met over the weekend when I was in New York, and they have a whole exhibit, this whole room in their permanent collection. Wait, did you go to the Met to Gala with all the loser celebrities? <laughs> no, I was there before all the loser celebrities. You were okay. like all black, like the the yeah i wore a garbage bag Kanye. and i was can i just say can i just say something about the met gala oh yeah. please oh, no. we'd love to hear your hot take here's my here's my hot take on the met gala <laughs> fuck those people <laughs> yeah fuck those people. <laughs> anyways let's move on Nick, you were at the Met Gala. Oh, no, I mean, there, there were a bunch of Stradivariuses in case. There was the first piano. Oh, yeah, well, I saw sorry, the picture. Sorry. Not the first piano. The <laughs> oldest piano that is in existence still is there. And it's like one of the first pianos made by the inventor of the piano. And mm. there's no glass case around it. There's just this sign that says, please do not touch. And oh, it's man. right there. They're just asking wow. to wow. Just, They're just asking for someone to freaking play that key and i wanted to so badly <laughs> but i didn't want to get kicked out because i still wanted to see all the swords maybe, so. all, the, <laughs> maybe all the strings that's, are wired up with like vibration sensors yeah. so maybe that's yeah. what they, they should do they should put up a sign that says please don't touch if you do you will not be able to see the swords <laughs> <laughs> all sword privileges revoked it, it's like yeah. they were they were like almost baiting someone to touch this thing because they also right below it have this freaking video monitor with this guy just going ham on this piano oh, so and it sounds great and he's just having a great old time he's like this is great you should try it but don't touch <laughs> you're like dang it i want to try it <laughs> i like the idea of being so good at piano that you look at that piano and you're like i could give this a shot and if i play this song well enough yeah, they people won't, won't get mad at me i can see the swords <laughs> it's oh, very man. daring it's That's bold. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to really be good though. We don't want no scrubs. Mm-mm. You know, no, if you're gonna no, if you're no, gonna no. touch that piano, you better do it. You better do it justice for the It might be the last <laughs> song that ever comes out of it, so you know. You gotta represent all of humanity's musical ambitions. Oh god. Song. <laughs> oh so so much pressure. Why do humans like music, Jake? Uh you know, I was I was thinking about this the other day because I've got a one year old daughter and she mm-hmm. was listening to a song and she was dancing. That's adorable. And it's like, it's not like she knows. It's not like she. Yeah. It's not like she's like, oh, yeah, people dance and dancing's cool. So I'm going to dance too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like she just hears it and she starts dancing. It's like um, an innate behavior that honestly, humans have to. Yeah. Like, yeah, move their bodies to a rhythm, right? Well, I think yeah. it's, I mean, I think it's not that much different than like, you know, um, 
an actual physical form of interacting with something because it mm. creates a physical sound wave. Mm -hmm. The physical sound wave happens in a pattern that your brain recognizes as like harmonious mm -hmm. or consistent, you know, um, it's got a, it's got a mathematical pattern to it. And then I think, you know, it's, it's almost like, yeah, it's like a physical response that I think goes deeper than, I mean, animals dance, you know, monkeys dance like there's all kinds of birds do little dances to each other birds, all the time yeah. and clicks and like make little <laughs> i think it's just something that goes deeper than than humanity for sure sure yeah yeah i mean like you have like you know beating hearts and you have like the rhythm of walking like left right left right and you have you know you have melodic inflections in how we speak to each other so but like imagine when, when you're in water you know like when you're in water you immediately you immediately do this. Mm -hmm. Stick your it's arms like up. A, yeah, you start, you know, I don't know if that's learned or if that's natural, but like you immediately try to swim. And babies will do this too. If you put a baby in water, they'll immediately mm. try to swim. Hmm. I think it's kind of the same. Like if you, it's, you hear music and you're immediately like trying to connect with it and like understand yeah. the beat. And like once you, you know, if you have it and it, it makes sense to you, then all of a sudden you start bobbing your head and, tapping your feet it's just strange how we have we can pair music so well with emotional tones yes like oh yeah you know it's weird that those two pair like you know i can see like oh we enjoy music we enjoy rhythms you know like it, it it triggers the things that you know in our brain that are wired up to make us walk or you know appreciate heartbeats or you know, like all those other instinctual <clears throat> things but then it's like oh and we can also define various emotional tones with it and that's like yeah. oh, that's weird i don't know <laughs> if that's natural or if that's yeah. learned i was about to th say that's probably a learned thing because you have to connect them you have to connect mm -hmm. like mute certain types of music to emotions right so yeah yeah, I, I wonder. You're listening you, you, in like another dimension. There's like kids' videos. Are those gas pipe sounds that they use in <laughs> horror movies? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we learned. That represents like innocent happiness. Really sentimental moments. Yeah. 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 Like cinematic yeah. movies like hard rock or yeah. metal. It's just the highest note on guitar, just being plucked yeah. as fast as it can be. Like. <laughs> like, I need a, oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> it's so touching. <laughs> Give me that xylophone to represent my inner darkness. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really brooding. The happy, yeah, the happy like Caribbean xylophone, <laughs> dude. So emo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's probably another dimension know, where man. that's going on right now. <laughs> One That's would hope, at least. Maybe a podcast similar to this. Yeah. Just, and they start off that podcast with a very interesting song. Yep. Everyone just <laughs> screams at the top of their lungs. And then they talk about it for 12 minutes before they actually get into the topic of what this podcast is this about. This is the topic. Is, <laughs> music is the most important thing in humanity. All right. Man. Seriously, let's get on track, gentlemen. <laughs> okay. You guys went out and shot a video yesterday. What happened? What the hell oh, happened man. out there? Oh man, well, I barely made it out alive. It was crazy. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Nico, this yeah. came up quick because when we discussed this topic originally, it was kind of chill. You know, Christian and I were talking yeah. about this today, and it was like, hey, um, we'll have a couple sword fighters come into the studio and, you know, we'll just <laughs> film like a cool, like, you know, what would a fight scene actually look like type. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Christian, Christian was sending me uh, memes. Last Friday, 
about how things escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you guys don't know by now, now you know how I operate <laughs> when it comes to sword fights. That's that's actually been the last two lightsaber style videos. It's yeah, like the same I guess thing. all the videos I make are lightsaber videos now. Yeah. Even though I said I'd never go back to them when I was like ten years old. Hey, years I old. make lightsaber videos. <laughs> I make what lightsaber videos on YouTube. We're lightsaber people now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, so we're making we we do all these stuntman react videos where we critique stunts and we talk about you know not necessarily ragging on them for not being real because you know there's a difference between like movie reality and reality reality but we've talked about wouldn't it be cool if somebody took the time to portray something like a sword fight using authentic choreography and authentic sword strategy and it wasn't just purely acrobatics and like baton swinging uh and so i mean I've done some, you know, studies of the blade. Ooh. <laughs> studies, of, studies of the blade. And so that's something that, you know, I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to see. I would, I would enjoy doing that. And we happen to have a pretty solid, you know, network of people around us that are very talented at those kind of things as well. Uh, so we decided, you know, let's let's take a look at lightsabers. Let's let's t- take it beyond the sword and not just lightsabers, but energy swords in general. And like. What would an imaginary weapon like that look like if we applied that realism treatment? Because really, you can go on YouTube and you can watch realistic sword fights. You know, there's a lot of sparring. There's a lot of martial arts up there. But there's not a lot of like, hey, let's take these people who are very smart and talented and then have them focus all their efforts on something completely imaginary (laughs) and then just make it up. Um, That's what we did with these with these lightsabers. And, uh, you know, it, it was interesting seeing the choreography come together because it's it's something that's fresh and it's new you know it's not like jedi fighting like you see in star wars it's you know like what there's so many different thoughts that have to go into moves when you actually need to make them strategic and sensible but a byproduct of that is that moves carry more emotion and intention which is like those are like the key things behind like acting and characters you know you need to know what they want they need to be actively trying to do that and the moment in a sword fight that you start like twirling your sword around and spinning around the character no longer apparently wants to kill the other person. Mm. <laughs> and apparently they'd rather dance. Uh, but, you know, whatever, it's instinctual, right? <laughs> All that screeching in the background, you just can't help yourself <laughs> in that alternate dimension. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, so what are, like, the key differences between, like, a Star Wars-branded lightsaber duel Star Wars-branded lightsaber duel. Uh, well, key di- one key difference is when you, when you swing a sword... Well, so... Luke LaFontaine helped us choreograph, choreograph this, and he's really good at these kind of things. Yeah. And he also he's a very has a very deep knowledge base, and we'll just share it with you uh, until you're like Sorry, unsolicitedly. I have to <laughs> <laughs> he cares great. a lot. He yeah, cares cares a lot. So it's great. I love it. It yeah. makes it really easy it, to film corridor videos with him for sure, because <laughs> you will always get what you need from him. <laughs> Luke, LaFontaine, Luke LaFontaine once said to me, "Jake, you know, you, you know what? Can you imagine where I'd be if I had your face?" Come on! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, national treasure. <laughs> he's pretty great. Um, so he choreographed the sword fight, and you know he's talking about you know in real sword fights, there's really just two things you got to be good at: it's distance and time. You have to be at the right distance at the right time, and as long as you are out of distance, they other person can swing the sword however they want; they'll never hit you. And you know you literally have up to like a quarter of an inch that you can get into, and if you're good enough, that's how you can position yourself. But likewise. If you want to step into range and hit somebody else, 
you are putting yourself in danger. So you have to time it just perfectly for, for, the, for the amount of time that you are in distance where they can strike you and where you can strike them. They do not have the time to be able to hit you and you have the time to be able to hit them. Oddly enough, this all applies to Smash Brothers as well. Yeah. <laughs> Frame perfect. Wow. But it's one of those things like you watch for you know, like an, an opponent's sword. You know, if they're going to go for a strike, you know, they lift it up and they start to bring it in for a strike. You know, so there's a certain amount of time it takes the sword to travel. They lift the sword too far out of center. Now it has to travel that entire distance to get to you. And if your sword is in center or in a you know closer position to hit them. Well, as long as you move fast enough and your distance is good, you it'll take you less time to hit them and you'll get the strike. And in a lot of sword fights, you're just going for wrists. You're not going for like body strikes. You're not going for decapitations or giant, you know, cleaves. You're just going for the wrists. And if you can hit the wrists, you win. And so that's one of the things that was, I was going to say programmed. But that's one of the things that was choreographed into the sword fight was very conscious wrist strikes and distance maneuvers and an attempt to just control the center with your sword and then go for the other opponent's arms. Which is not big and flashy, but if you can see it clearly and it can kind of be highlighted, suddenly, you know, once again, it's, oh, all they need to do is hit the other character's wrist. Look how close this is. Look how close this is to life and death. Look how close this is to one winning and one losing. Uh, and so that was like, that's something that's interesting to see come out of it. Another thing is, you know, when when making an attack, you need to be also defensively attacking, so to speak. So if your attack does not land or you miss... You can't then just leave yourself open for a counterattack. You know, your sword needs to land controlled in the center, you know, keeping the opponent at range or boxing out their blade wherever it might be. And once again, this this can really limit the amount of acrobatics and spinning you can do with a blade. But as long as you can communicate that intention of of these swords are deadly and these swords are dangerous, you are you are in a good position. You know, one of the things that like a lot of this applies to gunfights, too. And this is one of the things that like Sam and I talked a lot about when we were working on lifeline because there's a couple gunfights in that and you know we do all different types of gunfights right there's tactical reloads where really guns might as well be shooting you know thank you cards for all the <laughs> for all the damage they do um but then you have uh you know more serious stuff and when we were like working on lifeline we talked about how you know we try to communicate this to the actors and the rest of the crew on set is that whenever the trigger of a gun is pulled in real life you know if you're not at the shooting range but if you're actually like you know in a fight it's with the intent of killing somebody every time that trigger is pulled. You don't just go blah, 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 casually. It's, you know, each one of those moments has a lot of weight behind it. And if you just write a script, like the character shoots a couple times, he runs on the hall and he shoots a couple more times. And they shoot back and they duck and they shoot some more. Like you're making each one of those life and death decisions. Just a flippant, like whatever, you know, I'll just shoot some bullets down the hallway. You know, ah, I'm going to take cover. Whoa, shoot some more bullets over the thing. It's like, no, like each one of those could kill a person and not just the person you're shooting at, but somebody else behind the wall that you know, the boat's going to go through. And, you know, trying to portray a gunfight with that, that, uh, that weight is tricky, but can be rewarding. And then the sword fight is very similar where every swing is an intent to kill and also putting your life on the line even more so because in sword fights, you have to put yourself in range to land that swing. So, Every single moment you step into there, your adrenaline is spiked and your heartbeat's beating faster. And, you know, the the very inches of where your feet land and how much footwork you have, like all of that stuff matters 100 percent. Anyways, this is a long. So, so how do you film? Way. So how do you frame <laughs> how that? Do you film that? How do you frame that, though? You, you chill yeah. out and you back up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get in there and do the Jason Bourne, you know, shaky you don't thing. you don't do Jason Bourne it. No. And, you know, okay. like. For as, for as easy of a target as Jason Bourne is, it's really just like a couple fight scenes in one of the Bourne movies. Like a lot of the other Bourne fight scenes are shaky cam, but they're actually super fun and really well shot. Mm. And you can actually follow them. It's just they are done in a way to be chaotic 
and to be thrilling. But they, I think they actually, a lot of them do succeed in doing that. But in this case, you know, it, like in a Jason Bourne fight, you're not necessarily there to see the technique. At the end of the day, they're throwing punches and doing some judo grapples. And you've probably seen that fight about 10 times before it's happened in Jason Bourne. So, you know, when the fight happens in Jason Bourne, the choreography itself, while good and fun, is not necessarily worth highlighting over the characters in the cinematography and the emotion of the scenes. Like all this stuff is probably more important than like, well, check out this cool way he blocks a punch. Pretty neat, huh? Like <laughs> there's not a whole lot of that in those movies, but when you get into a fight where you're trying to be very realistic with the fight, then you do need to do that. You need to show, wow, check out this cool way. They block the punch. Check out this cool way. He goes for an attack and almost gets cut, but has a clever way out of it. Like mm. all those little moves and decisions are a lot more important. And if you do the shaky cam thing and you get in there, you're not going to see any of that. So when we shot this fight scene, we also approach it with a very different, like, cinematic approach of, you know, we do a lot of handheld fight scenes on on Corridor, but in this case, it was very smooth, very, like, stabilized, cinematic. Like, we kept referencing, like, Dune and, like, Blade Runner 2049 as our, mm. I guess just Roger Deakins as our... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, we just referenced Roger Deakins for all of cinematography. It was easy. <laughs> but specifically, it was so we could, you know, make pretty wide angles and have nicely framed side shots, show all the swords, and honestly... You know, Luke was watching all this and he's, you know, does design and choreography and coordination and all that kind of stuff. And so he comes up with cool angles, too, for like his, his job. But he's just saying, like, just back it up and make sure you get it all in frame. Just back it up. Make sure you get it all in frame. That's a great shot. You didn't quite get it all in frame. Make sure mm. you just back up and get it all in frame. And like that was his only notes like for the entire <laughs> day was just back it up, get it all in frame. And I mean, I would. I'd play the line. You know, I want to be just close enough that it's exciting still. But yeah, that was uh, it, it does take a lot of the work off of your shoulders mm -hmm. when the stuntmen are good and the choreography is good and tells a story, which it did in this case. You're just at that point, you're filming a dance, back it up, keep it on the frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I just saw an edit that Nico made, uh, till one in the morning last night. Yeah. So we shot yeah. for 10 hours and I got, yeah. started importing the footage and I got home, ate dinner. I was like, Oh, I really want to see the footage. And I sat down I'm like, this is cool. I should cut a few shots together. And then like, it was 1 a.m. I'm like, okay, I need to go to bed. <clears throat> yeah. Ivy walks in and you're like itching your neck going, just one more. Yeah. <laughs> just one more. Yeah, pretty just, much. Just one more. I paid for it a little bit this morning. That and, you know, holding a camera in my hands for 10 hours straight yesterday. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay, that's it. I've done it. Uh, as promised, uh, over the last few weeks, I've spent my entire life just reading through all these books, looking for any hint, any word, any paragraph that could tell people where they can go for all of their stock asset needs, for creators and businesses alike. Turns out, I've read through all these books, and there's nothing. And that's why, courtesy of today's sponsor, Storyblocks, I am just so thankful that there is a place where people can go to get stock assets. I I'm just over the moon about it. So here's the deal. You can go to Storyblocks and you can get high quality 4K B-roll. You can get images, you can get music, you can get After Effects templates, motion graphics, and more. And they have a virtually unlimited library that they're constantly updating. So every time you go on there, nothing is the same. Unlike these books, every time, look, every time I go to page 52 in this book, turns out, same words on there, same images. <laughs> 
get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Thank God there is a place where people can go to get royalty free stock assets to use in whatever they want, however they want, through an unlimited all access plan. Thank God Storyblocks has that available just for you. And hey, if you're part of a creative team, consider talking to your team lead about an enterprise plan. That's going to allow you and the rest of your team to get all the benefits of Storyblocks. It's something we use here at Quarter Digital. It helps us out a lot. It improves, smooths out, and enhances our production process, saves us a bunch of time, saves us a bunch of money. And I got to say, it's real good that it does that because the amount of time it took me to read through all these books, man, probably a huge waste of money for me to do that. So anyways, if you guys are interested in getting started with Storyblocks for yourself, consider clicking the link in the description below or heading over to storyblocks.com slash cast. And next time, here's what I'm going to do. I found a bunch of old VHS tapes, okay, in my studio. I'm going to watch through all of them, okay? I will let you know in another week or two if there's anything on these VHS tapes that can tell you where to go for all of your stock asset needs. In the meantime, have fun. Uh, enjoy Storyblocks. And now back to the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Yeah, it seemed like in the edit, like, and this is definitely true from when we were shooting it in the coverage, it was a lot of wide, a lot of like showing the action. And then when we do cut in for the close ups, that's for the emotional moments. Yep. You know, that's not showing the action necessarily or the technique. It's about like the emotional beats and how that impacts the story. So. Yeah, which is like, it can be almost like so vanilla in a sense that you can almost feel like you should be discouraged from doing that as a filmmaker. It's like, Oh, show the fights in a wide, then cut to a close up to show the emotions. It's like that's that's like baby's first editing techniques. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then again, yeah, you know, but when third it comes... technique is you make one of them a Dutch angle. <laughs> but yeah, but like also like you know, if you look at like a dialogue scene in a really good movie, there's still it's baby's first dialogue scene. It's you yeah. know over the shoulder telephoto shot with the person lit nicely from one side and an edge light. It's like they're not reinventing the wheel. It's yeah. it's the dialogue and the acting that really is what you're trying to showcase and. Same thing with the sword fight, you know, like you're saying that, like you pull it back and you simplify the cinematography because really you're just there to showcase the actors doing their thing and doing their performance. And the writing in this case is physical body language. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, I don't think it is like baby's first, you know, editing <laughs> techniques and storytelling techniques because it's people don't do it as much. You That's know? true. It's, it's grandpa's first. It's there you go. It's grandpa's, grandpa's, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Grandpa's first <laughs> Yeah. Grandpa's finely crafted editing yeah. techniques. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was wow. a good time. It, it's, uh, I, sh- I think we should talk briefly about how cool the lightsabers are. Mm, <laughs> Dude, I want to hear, cool. hear, hear about this facility, too. Yeah. I want to hear about the facility. I want to hear about Brett. Brett was the star of the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was, was Brett, like, the wise old so man? Brett was... I should look at the definition of this real quick. Brett was like on the script. He's referred to as the technician, but I don't, that's not quite what he actually is. He is a, uh, hold on. I got to define. Who, I gotta played, who played the sage? The okay, sage. We don't know yet. Brett was the proctor. He was the, the proctor. proctor. He was a proctor. So there's the proctor. story of this, of this short film, this cinematic short masterpiece. Uh, this, <laughs> the story of this short film, this short sword fight, is that 
it's not in Star Wars. This is just generic future. Um, and this is a sword fighting school where they learn how to fight with energy blades. Because I want to stay away from like Jedi stuff, right? I don't want the Force to get involved in this. Not a, you know, get the fight scene's not going to look like a Star Wars fight scene, so let's not make it Star Wars. Um, so this is a sword fighting school. It produces the best students in the world, and they have mm. a certain method of doing that. And that is, in order to graduate, the student must fight their teacher in a duel to the death. Because it's one thing to have training; it's another thing to actually have to deal with your adrenaline, your nerves, and getting into a situation that's actually life or death. Which, if you got into a real sword fight, that's what it more or less would be. So they get into a sword fight and uh, Brett is the proctor watching all this happen. Uh, meanwhile, on the edge of the scene, there's a, a janitor uh, who's kind of like, you know, just taking out the garbage and mopping the floors and they just <laughs> stop and they watch because this is fascinating. Um, and this old man like steps up next to them and starts explaining kind of what's happening. You know, this is a graduation day. Basically gives them the setup that I just gave, gave you here and also kind of breaks down the fight a little bit and what the fighters are thinking. And this is kind of my, my way of just getting to show the audience and highlight some of the things that are happening in the fight in a way that's in the world of this piece. But needless to say, halfway through the student gets his butt kicked and gets killed because <laughs> <laughs> his teacher is better than him. Um, you know, and the student has some flaws in his technique, but because it's the future, Brett driver here, the son, the proctor walks off oh. and pulls out this giant machine and brings it back around and uses it to reattach the limbs and seal up the holes on this dead student the and bring it back to life. The son of life, son. The son of That's life. That's right. Because mm -hmm. the reason this school is the best school for sword fighters in the world is because they can actually do fights to the death and then revive the students so they can keep going and learn from their mistakes. So that when they go out in that world and they don't have access to the giant machines because they're not in the school's facilities anymore, they at least have you know a handle on their nerves and have figured out, you know, they, they can control their adrenaline and their mental state and all that kind of stuff. So we watch as the fight goes through a few more iterations of the student trying different techniques. And we actually hit on some tropes of different sword fights. Like he does the Star Wars, you know, flip de doo whoop de doo stuff and he gets killed. He does like the super emotional big hits that you see in like, you know, John Wick, he gets killed. Um, he does, you know... Uh, another style like style of movie sword fighting and then just the sword gets twisted out of his arms and then just literally chops off both his hands <laughs> in like a helicopter motion uh and then eventually you know the student learns from his mistakes he centers himself learns to control both his technique his headspace all that kind of stuff and of course okay well okay. i won't spoil Sorry. the ending but yeah don't spoil it happens hey so <laughs> what, what, what happens if they like can't bring you back though you know well then you die and they're like, so they're like you're still nervous do you, going do into you this. sign do you sign that waiver when you accept oh, yeah. like <laughs> that the, those things are finicky yeah there's they they run there's out of like a, sometimes two percent failure rate and you got to sign a waiver because last yep. semester timmy didn't come back exactly it's high stakes this is high stakes mm -hmm. high school okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that's the general premise for this but it's it's fun to be able to because that's the other thing is like in a real sword fight once again they don't last that long so it's like you know pop 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 then uh, i got cut it's over uh so this is a way for us to be able to do that and then be able to get back into the fight. Just, you know, it's cool VFX, like, you know, arm reattaches and the kid gets back up and back into the fight and you go for it. So, yeah. So, okay. So did you shoot everything yesterday or was there, is there another scene? We didn't, we didn't shoot, shoot the dialogue stuff. Yesterday, okay. So we okay. just shot uh, the fight scene. Okay. We did shoot at this really cool warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Christian, how did you find this, this place? Scrounging. Scrounging. Scrounging along. So we use Peerspace a lot for our location hunting, and uh, 
locations in Los Angeles are expensive. Uh, you're probably looking at a minimum of like $3,000 just to get an open space. Uh, and then if you want to like look nice, it's like another thousand dollars. And that's a lot of money, <laughs> especially yeah. for a day of shooting. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously like there's big productions that have the budget. So you're kind of, you don't really have anybody going like, oh, man, fine, I'll cut you a deal because they can just not cut you a deal and have a big budget thing come in instead. Dude, when we filmed Sync back in the day, mm-hmm. we made a budget and we were like, yeah, 20,000 for locations. That should be pl- <laughs> that should be plenty. Yeah, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Son. no, no. Locations were cheaper back then, though. I remember. Uh, like... Well, there was a few that we pretty much blew through that in like two days of filming on. Um, yeah, there was that medical facility in Santa yep. Clarita. That was five thousand dollars. I remember that. And then there was that bank vault where they the filmed the Dark Knight. Yeah, and then there was that. A uh, uh, futuristic office right. in uh, Skid Row. <laughs> Literally in the middle of Skid Row. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And all wasn't... the rest of it was like backyards of our friend's place and like gorilla stuff on the street. <laughs> R- Richard Ryan's apartment. Richard Ryan's apartment. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> he was really chill of him to let us shoot in his apartment. Well, it, it, it helped that he was the building manager. Yeah, it he, did help. Yeah. Yeah. That way no one could kick us out. <laughs> yeah, except for the landlord. Uh, like the the, yeah, landlord. the landlord and the 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 permit police, permit PD, <laughs> permit PD. It was, yeah, it was really funny yesterday morning when I walked on to the location. Uh, I talked to the the manager on location and. She asked us if we wanted to back in our, our trucks and our Sprinter vans. And I was like, ha, 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 we have a Kia Soul. <laughs> we do. We got yeah. some cars, just our cars. I mean, I have two sandbags in that Kia Soul. Yeah. So. Yeah. Think of how legit Major it would gear. be, though, guys, if we backed in a Sprinter van. Think of how legit that would be. It'd be pretty pretty legit. It would be pretty <laughs> legit. Nico, this yeah. marks I'm marking this one down on the We should have bought sp- that bus, Jake. <laughs> was this all was this podcast just a ruse for us having a random meeting now? Yeah, he planned it. It's all that. the record now. Yeah. Hold on. He's saying okay here. Jake, I was we, reading We, we said we weren't gonna present him with the PowerPoint yet. Sprinter we Ran 915 2021. Dude, we can use the van for other things. Nico's though, just here though, Nico. We can have it be like an office. We, lightsaber. We can do stakeouts with there. it too. Stakeouts. Right? Yeah, dude. Stakeouts. Totally. Hell yeah. Stakeouts. Well, actually, you guys now, <laughs> you know, I might be convinced. Like, uh, now are we talking? Are we talking stakeouts? Are we sitting in the, like the driver's seat and your seats lean back just a little bit? Exactly. Yeah. Or is it stakeouts yeah. where there's like a little hole in like the side of the van? Um, you can or do is both. that where the tech sits with his head? No, there's a technician table in the back. And then there's one guy in the front who like is just the driver, but he sits there, you know, and he's yeah. and he's like, "Hey, boss," yeah. you know. And then yeah. and then it's like, and then boss is in the back with the technician, and then technician pulls up the exterior cameras, right? Oh, and yeah. Just an unnecessary amount of screens. Yeah, oh, totally as way many too as many everywhere. Yeah. You should always put people's lav mics on in the Sprinter van, like we're giving them a wire. Yeah, <laughs> and then send them to the set, and, like, and then it says like out. it says like. <laughs> Billy's typewriter repair yes. on the outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yes. Billy's mobile typewriter repair. Yeah. Dude. For when Hall- it doesn't and their, their phrase is like for when it just doesn't click. Oh hey. there it is. 
He's, uh, he's warming up yeah, to dude, it. Dude, you're prepped, man. Where yeah, did that come from? This is actually part of the Do you see what we're doing? Yeah. You guys were in this, didn't you? I've been ready for this forever. How should We've we got multiple design options, okay? We've got Billy's typewriter. Oh, get the leather seats. Get the leather seats. <laughs> we have uh, we have the dueling wizard design. It's going to be a little bit more expensive for the dueling wizards, but you know, I think if we can get Sam on board, then it's good. Yeah. How can you get? How can you elevate it though? It's like I've seen dueling wizards. How do you? How do you get some spice? Like some more spice than than, than, more than spice. airbrushed dueling wizards. Yeah. Well, we do, can- do can- candy paint. You know, like candy sparkle paint. sparkle oh, paint. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe. Uh, Maybe instead of a sliding door, it's got suicide doors. Oh. <laughs> you so know? Gull wings? Yeah, the gull wings. No, no, no. Suicide doors open. Gold wings. Oh, the, right, right, right. The, not, not the ones that open like that. Not the X-wings. The, the suicide doors that open backwards. Right. Ooh. So you can open Why are like they called the fr- suicide stores? Doors. Suicide stores. Suicide stores. Uh, <laughs> suicide well, I think <laughs> because you're more likely to die with those doors. But I don't know why that would be suicide. <laughs> Accidental death doors. Pretty sure if you jump oh, out of I... a moving car, you're gonna die. That <laughs> sounds more cool, like, though. Uh, sounds, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't even be homicide at that point because that's killing of a human being by a human being. I, I don't Robo-side. know why they Darwin call them doors. Doorside. Darwinian Darwin doors. doors. <laughs> I don't anyway, because it's cool, Nico. That's why. How much is a Sprinter van, Jake? I mean, how many miles does it have? Oh. Uh, let's say 100, 100k 100k miles, 100K miles? 100K. oh god uh how old is it it doesn't need to be nice i mean it can how it old up. is it how old is it i don't know it's probably four years old three or four four years old it's got a hundred thousand miles so it's driven a lot uh yeah, I mean, probably band, probably 13 mm, yeah. 13,000 14,000 mm, not in this market they may be it's probably not more now yeah it's probably like 18 at that well, by the time this podcast goes live, it'll probably be like nineteen. Jesus, I had man. to buy a new car, and it's oh, like no. ten grand more than they're actually <laughs> worth. That sucks, but uh, you, you got to do what you got to do, you know. So even even the new car market is yeah. inflated. Yeah, wow. it's not as bad, which is why I went new. But still, oh, man. yeah, it's still rough. Yeah. Well, you know, you dump five point six T into the economy, and it has a tendency to do strange things. That's about yeah. how much we spent on it. the global war on terror. When you don't yeah. count the medical bills after the fact. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinter vans have gotten expensive, and the candy paint job is really what this all comes down to. That's going to add value, though. So, it's going to add mean, value. Win, Think win. about it. Yeah. And we can film with it. And the problem is that it doesn't make, if you go that route, you don't have a very good stakeout van because now it's like super noticeable, you know? So that's, there's a problem with that. Yeah. But I maybe so. you take it to high end mm. like events and now you have a stakeout van at the high end event because they wouldn't let in Billy's typewriter repair. Exactly. What now they're like, hey, though? let in. That's well, how that's we get the in the thing. Met Gala next year. Oh, boys. That's how we get in the Met Gala. Yes. We can, we can, it can be like an exterminator van and we'll all dress as bugs. <laughs> yes. And we'll stake Jake, out the we Met We should Gala. wear those inflatable bubbles to the Met, Met Gala next year <laughs> and just roll down the stairs. I don't know what you're referring to, but. <laughs> Remember those inflatable bubbles that we ran over Carmichael? Oh, in? those. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, uh, we'll roll over little Just, we'll wear just those. <laughs> Just I got the facts those. and suicide doors, by the way. Okay, oh, okay. please. Yeah. All right. That's what we've Here all been waiting for. All right. So I, this is from the website. I have a feeling that they're bullshitting me. 
they actually have no idea, but I'm going to tell you what they said. From the website. <laughs> the little part of my brain that goes, eh, they're making it up, is, <laughs> uh, is door triggering here. So you said uh, rear hinge doors, these suicide doors. By the way, suicide doors started from the day of carriage design, where they wanted the doors of the carriage to open like nice doors to a house, like a yeah. French mansion. Mm-hmm. Um so apparently, uh, back in the day before seatbelts, um, <laughs> the wind would blow your doors open <laughs> oh. and you could go flying out the car. Guess and the, the Subaru in 1969 had this problem. Also, if you are opening the door and it gets hit by a car, like, like let's say you're stepping out of the street, the door closes back on you, mm. killing you, as opposed to getting knocked open away from you. Oh, my God. And that's about all I could find. I guess, you know, I, like I said, I think this website was... Like they yeah, had some that, really like flimsy arguments beyond that that felt like they didn't do any did Someone like kill themselves like on purpose. In the I door think to, like, it's because of the, the opening thing. I think it's because of the opening thing. The way that they open, like gotcha. it, yeah, you can fall out. <clears throat> I think that's what. It, so if you sit, if you sit suicidal with a suicide door, you're you're suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. That's uh, good to know. I'll put that one in my pocket for yeah. later. Yeah, and I don't know if they've d- I don't know if they've done them. Oh, I guess they do them on the Phantoms. But after the Lincoln Continental, after the mid '60s Lincoln Continental, they kind of got rid of them. Yeah, I think also they mentioned that people have a tendency to like bonk people when they open the doors because they're not looking behind the car. But they're like, it's probably not an issue because the chauffeur is usually opening it for you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the carriage master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, is that where car comes from? I've debated this for years. Carriage? Yeah. Does oh, it come car? from carriage? Oh, car? I never thought about that. That's like oh, probably true. That's a good true. question. Well, I have the internet here on my phone. So okay. Yeah. Can you look this up? Does. Welcome it's to the corridor cast, guys. Stretch. For the rest of the night, we're just going to look up random things. Shit. Do you get Wi-Fi in that thing? Yeah. I <laughs> car comes from Latin. <laughs> Carum, carus. Old Northern French. Carre, which goes to car. Wheeled vehicle. So carriage, yeah. I t- they come from the same route. Hmm. Okay. So car... Carum, Carus, etc. I guess I guess it's always been a car since before the hmm. car, before the internal combustion. Since before the car, it was a yeah. car. What about cab? How does cab like caboose and cab? Is well, that just a, a place cab- where passengers go? Cabby. Question. Cabin. 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 Oh, also, <laughs> did, did you say there's no Nick? Isn't there no hard C in Latin? Uh, isn't it sar? That is no. I think it's there's no heart or soft S. I'm pretty sure. Like that's Caesar. Or, was sorry, Caesar. Oh wait, you're right. Caesar was more like Kaiser, is how they. Oh wait, Kaiser, Kaiser yeah. is how they'd pronounce it. There's another old old car word, chariot. Mm-hmm. Oh, chariot. That's probably the first one. Yeah. Wait, so, yeah. so S's are pronounced like Z's or. Um, what is it? I guess they're actually pronouncing no, this like, like K's. The, the if anyone, the if anyone listening is a thing. Latin expert right now, please Jeez. let us know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> apologize. Yeah, we were I'm sorry. For this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Latin's crazy. Watch Barbarians. You'll hear some real. No drumming. pronouns. How do they do it? How do they do it? They don't have pronouns. How does, how does that work? <laughs> we should invent something. <laughs> also, how, uh, did, how do you go from not having pronouns? To having pronouns, how does that work? Slang, probably. Honestly. It's got like, yeah. How how else does it work? Because it just well, became easier they, to say. They didn't have I'm pronouns sure because language. because of the way you conjugated the verb, which is still the same in Latin dialect languages. I'm sure another language melded with it to get there. Maybe. By the way, did any of you guys look at the new iPhone 13 stuff? Mm-mm. Um, I saw like a cinematic reel, which is freaking sweet. 
Yeah, so when the iPhone 12 came out, I, was talk- I remember talking, maybe even on this podcast when it was a Futurology podcast, which is just becoming a Futurology podcast <laughs> again right now. Um, <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. So I talked about how with, uh, with like the Z-Depth and the LiDAR on the iPhone, I feel like Apple's on their way to making large format sensors, not necessarily obsolete, but way more specialty because uh, they're basically getting it to where it doesn't matter how big your sensor is. You can do all your depth of field after the fact as long as you have good like Z-Depth. And if you have a LiDAR scanning the scene and then you probably give a little bit of mm-hmm. AI sauce on top so it can kind of fill in the details, uh, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, the ability to actually judge distance on all the pixels and then blur them appropriately. So that's what they did. They're <laughs> doing that. Now. They're doing that post now. They're doing that post yeah. in the iPhone 13 and it has the ability to do uh, focus blurring basically well, well. Uh, after the fact because it's just it's saving a Z-depth map of the scene. When I say Z-depth, I mean a depth map. And then that's combined with some AI stuff that like that does portrait mode on the phone. Um, but now it can do it in video mm. in real time. And they have ProRes even. Oh, sure, really? Which this is all really cool. And, you know, hey, good job, Apple engineers. But maybe don't have a lightning port wait on the minute. bottom of your Dude, wait a minute. phone, which wait is still a minute. USB-C. Wait a minute. Or sorry, USB 2.0 speeds. Ugh. Dude, there's nothing worse than trying to get a video file you, off of oh, your it's iPhone. It's the worst. Dude, it's the absolute it worst. It opens up eight folders. They're all named random numbers. And then yeah. your photos are randomly mixed in all the photos. It's fo- everywhere. It's like, there's no rhyme or reason. And half there's the time no- it doesn't mount either. It's like, yeah. what the frick? It's like, you guys can't get that. You guys can't. Like, it is, it is like a purposely like, fuck you from Apple. Like, don't open <laughs> yeah. the phone. Don't get your files. We're going to try to make it hard. That's those are the things I hate about like modern, Dude. I guess, like devices and games is like there's a lot of like we want we know you want this but also fuck you a little bit here yeah. it's like, yeah. can you just give me the thing without the fuck you yeah and it's like no no, <laughs> no. Like, how, how is their bit. stock gonna be worth two bill dude oh man they like making 30 percent on basically every transaction on the internet is uh how they get away with it yeah you know i'm glad epic took him to court and I'm sad to see people like. Oh, sorry. Did I say two bill? I I meant two trill. Yeah. 2.4 trill. Hey, you know what? Come to think of it. I think the American government kind of needs that money. Maybe they should liquidate (laughs) that. (laughs) Jake, have you been listening to a lot of talk radio? No, no. But I. Okay. Okay. Back in the day, there was a camera called the LG V10 that had manual focus pulling on it. And I'm trying oh, really? to see, yeah, and I'm trying to see if it was a post-process or if it was an actual camera It was, lens. it has to have been an actual, there's no way it was a post-process. If it was, like, older than one year, it's like, there's no way it was post. Fancy Unless there's a light field camera, which I doubt. But now, with, the, with all the iPhones, like, leading up to this one, the the depth of field, the fake depth of field has been like kind of rough because any fine detail like hair, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. So it, did you see if that like it, it looked like it's, it's it's a little bit better, but it looks like it's definitely. Yeah, like, it's like, it's, oh, that edge on the character's head is a little weird. Yeah, you know? it's pretty clear. You can clearly tell it's a post process yeah. thing still. So. It's got a little bit of like that video game. OK, field look. yeah, yeah, not quite there yet, but yeah. Yeah, cool I almost tech. bought one of the V10s because it had that feature. Um and I think it came out like five years ago. Yeah, about five years ago. Manual focus, it's saying. Hmm. That was kind of one of the first ones that had like, wait, what? You could pull focus on your camera, on your it's phone? Like with your fingies? <laughs> you don't need fingies? a lens? Yeah. Ca- camera tech is definitely like going crazy places. Like we're, oh, we're definitely at the point right now where it's like, 
you have zero excuses for your stuff not to look cinematic mm-hmm. outside of just you have not yet gained the knowledge on how to make things look cinematic. Like beyond, like technically speaking, like you can't blame it on your gear anymore. It's like literally all the gear is good, and it's not yeah. only good; it's like paradigm shifting good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Ugh, man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel like I feel like to be a really good cinematographer these days, I feel like you need to really have your head wrapped around color grading and lighting yeah. more than like anything else and cinematic language, like when to, you know, do different moves and framings and stuff like that. Dude. Yeah. And not rely on gimbals for everything. I know we just shot a gimbal movie. <laughs> yeah. But that's a different thing. But dude, <laughs> nothing pisses me off when a, a guy just shoots everything on a gimbal. Yeah. He keeps, it, he keeps it locked off and tries to be a tripod, but he's not. And you see this little sway side to side. You're like, dude, that's Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a tripod. Sticks. It's not a tripod. It's so lazy. Did this happen in your edit, Nick? In your movie yes. edit? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, my this sounds way awesome, too personal for you to d- no, not. We didn't have time to like switch on and off of the gimbal. So like we had to shoot a lot of things just kind of rushed on a gimbal. Yeah, the gimbal and look is so specific too. Yeah. You can always tell with that like X and Y. You yeah, know, exactly. I'm happy we did for the movement just, shots, but like yes. some of the shots that are like the locked off shots are just like not usable. Can you so. fix any of it with post? Well, we had a B camera on sticks, so luckily I, I'm oh, using oh, that nice. a lot. But, so okay. we, we got a good even ratio, but like, yeah, I'm just never gonna roll on a gimbal ever again unless it's a very specific shot. How are things going with your movie, Nick? Good. Yeah. 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 So you shot your movie back in the fall. Slash winter yeah, last year. Yeah, winter. Yeah. Which is, I'm so impressed that you managed to shoot a feature film. <laughs> yeah. Um, Still going. <laughs> well, they always yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They take a while. So, But yeah, so like you're in the editing stages now? Yes. Assembly, so, first cut, second cut? Basically, cut? yeah. So through June and July, the editor was doing her cut, her first assembly cut, and got that and had a little breakdown as you do you yeah because it's always, like yeah. it's very uh far from what like, you oh want God. Yeah, yeah yeah and like especially on an indie thing because like you're scrounging for time and there's like very specific things that happen on set where you're like okay as long as we do it this specific way mm-hmm. it's not in the script but we need to do it this way and we, i can like fudge this and make it work because you know as an editor i think of as you do yeah. and you do how to how to shoot for your edit. Yep. So none of that translates though to the <laughs> editor sitting through all the footage, sure. you know. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. All of August, basically every night I go home and just edit with this editor and we've we're doing it all remotely through Zoom oh, yeah. and through FaceTime and it's, wow. it's wow. working. So wow. and we're done. Like we just finished the last oh, really? scene yesterday. Oh, wow. Congratulations, man. And thanks, man. So it's well not done, but like I have now an out exactly like 90 minute film. You have an edit. With, well, yeah dude and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like cool to see like oh yeah we shot that scene and, that, and that's what happens now like actually <laughs> it's like cool okay it's a movie but yeah so i'm really close to the point of soliciting feedback from oh that's awesome so yeah, yeah you guys will see something soon what is send it to your, me this yeah, is a very broad question but like, what has your experience been like directing a feature film this is the this is basically a an indie you guys kind of scrounge the budget together it's basically you yeah. going just you and the rest of the team just going, just making it happen. Yeah. We were just like, we uh, foresaw that there would be a deficit of content, like narrative content through COVID because there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the stuff being made is documentaries or really big budget or mm-hmm. just like, Hey, we made this movie on zoom. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. and like it's, and that's like quickly losing its novelty, I mm-hmm. think. So yeah, hopefully in the American film market and then in, uh, in the European film market, we can sell this thing. 
So, and you know, we weren't trying to, the thing is thrillers and horror movies, they sell really well. Yeah. Like people always want that kind of content because there's a weird, I think, voyeuristic draw to it. Like Mm -hmm. that's why serial killer things do so well. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we decided to make one of those and I think we accomplished it. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty intense. It's like one intense scene after another, but I guess as a director, my takeaway would be, uh, I think I've said this before, less is more Mm. in almost everything. Like don't try to do too much. And most of the directions I gave were just like, do that, but less like, (laughs) you know, so that I think is valuable though to know, like anyone, you know, stepping onto a set, you know, intensity doesn't always mean quality. So Mm. And it can be very jarring, especially in a feature film when, like, you can build up to that intensity, but, like, you need to, like, take your time with things and, like, build up slowly. So, I don't know. It's been a learning experience, man. <laughs> I mean, every single one. Yeah. Is. I. Uh, How close is it to your vision? You know, what you saw in your head when you're reading the script slash, like, starting to shoot it? I think pretty pretty close, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, awesome. when I... I think we managed to pull it. We, we were able to achieve, like we didn't have to cut back on any of the locations or like change the script too much for like those kind of material constraints. Cause COVID was actually kind of a blessing. I mean, it was really annoying having to direct and have everyone in masks and like do all this, the briefings and the testing and the, mm-hmm. the COVID safety officer on there, you know, but we got, Hello locations for really cheap. Mm. Everyone wanted to work. They were just bored. So they're like, yo, I know my rate is really expensive, but like, give me this and I'll, I'll do it. Cause I just want to be on set. Like I want to do something. And like, we got like some really great locations that would have normally been hustling, bustling businesses. And they mm. let us shoot there for cheap. And yeah, it played in our favor overall. Wow. So I don't know, man. We'll I feel see. like that's what the best, the best like filmmaking happens, in my opinion, is when you are capturing, not just like your story, but like a moment around you that lends itself and flavors that story mm-hmm. in a really unique way. Yeah. Whether it's like you said, you know, locations for, for, for cheap, so to speak, or things that otherwise would be hustling and bustling, or like if you're shooting yeah. out in like nature and like you, it rains one day, and you're just like screw it, let's shoot in the rain. And saying like this scene takes on a whole new life and the spontaneity yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, man, Th- those things are beautiful. Like those little things that you can't plan for and just happen. So yeah. that's the cool part about being in- on an indie thing is because you kind of don't have a choice to yeah. have that stuff yeah. happen. It's like, well, if it rains, we don't have any other options. So. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it was it was cool in that respect. I got to I sat down last week and showed the uh, the cut with temp music. So I, I we I spotted with my uh, hopefully who's going to be the guy composing this can raise the money and uh we picked out a bunch of temp music that we like from other oh, cool. films and i i set i edited that that into the the current edit um and showed the co-producers uh, chris and kika who also are the actors and mm-hmm. chris wrote it she came up with the story um so it's like the three of us are kind of mm-hmm. the team here yeah and they were getting very emotional watching it was which was really, really cool to me That's to awesome. see i was getting emotional because they were getting emotional like, <laughs> i was like damn okay this is really cool like especially because he wrote the bloody thing and he's still like invested in it, yeah. you know? And like, sh- they're like, obviously know exactly what went into it, but they could still like view it 
from an outside perspective, that was cool. So that was like a little bit of like, it was like a success kid moment. That's really know? cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, such a good feeling. Yeah. What was so, like, what was like one of the biggest takeaways or lessons that you learned like as a director Oh, that, well, that going into it, you didn't really expect to learn? Oh boy. Um, or are there like a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always take the lens cap off. Always take the lens cap off. It's a good off. one. <laughs> remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, there, there and remember, it's usually in your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually in Sam's back pocket, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lens cap on set. Just go talk to Sam. It's Even probably, if he's not on set. It's probably <laughs> Sam has it somewhere. <laughs> Dude, there are lens caps from 2005 in his pockets. <laughs> I, I swear to God. Where's an old pair of pants back to the studio? Like, What's this? <laughs> it's like a jangling of plastic. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Um, I think, honestly, like, what took me a while was, and this might just be me, but it was, like, l- just letting people do their jobs. Yeah. You know? Because, like, I've always shot my own stuff. I've always, like, you know, shot, directed, and edited. And usually been doing the lighting and usually been the screenwriter before that. Mm. And that's how all of us kind of function. So mm-hmm. it was kind of weird at first to be like, wait, you mean I just stand here and I look at the screen <laughs> and then I look at the actor's performance. That's all I do. So that took me a while to get used to, but like, it's like, Oh, that's why that's done. Yeah. <laughs> that's why like, you don't like just do everything yourself, even though it feels really good to be like, yeah, I did everything myself, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it was it was uh, definitely nice to learn that like, I don't know, just the ability to like step back and let people contribute their own things and like everyone did and it was great and you know something I knew but I hadn't really like experienced from that position before mm-hmm. so, but yeah and then honestly just tone it down, <laughs> tone it down. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Like yeah. you know, just yeah. The worst is like when you like, I just need a moment of this character looking at the other person yeah. and you go through it and it's like, I can't find a single moment of the person Dude. just looking at the other person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when we were filming that? Uh, I won't name the particulars of this, but there was one, there was one scene where we were filming and we had uh, a guy that was playing the president for something Yep. and we needed him to say one oh, yeah. line, yeah. <laughs> one line. And he just kept committing to it like it was stagecraft and <laughs> like it was the most dramatic. It was for a montage. And all we needed was the line of the president of the United States saying something like, issue the order. Something super simple <laughs> yeah. like that. And he was like, issue the order. <laughs> and they're like, no, just say issue the order. And he's like, Issue the order. Yeah. Oh my god! We're like, we're like no, like, just, like, like, just say, just say it like it's it's intense. You're the president mm-hmm. of the United States, and you're giving an order to somebody else to issue an order. And then the camera stops rolling. You're like, all right, how would you say it? Say it right now. He's like, issue the order. You're like, yes, do that. And then the camera rolls, and he's like, issue the order. Yeah. <laughs> So no, we no. had the guy. We had the guy that was playing his like, uh, like one of his secretaries in his cabinet, actually say the line, because he <laughs> like couldn't. He just couldn't. 
Dude, well, it's so awkward you yeah. have to do that in it's front so of the awkward. actor. Oh, man. Like, they know. They know. They yeah. know exactly what's yeah. going on. But like, why, no, couldn't just just say, why couldn't he just, just say? Why couldn't he just say issue the order? <laughs> 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 That's why you film the rehearsals. And like, okay, let's just do a quick warm-up. Let's walk through the lines. Can you just read them, please? Okay, issue the order. That's the yeah, yeah that's that's it. already done. Before he's give, overthinking it, give this it, guy his hundred bucks and let's go. And that's real, man. If an actor starts overthinking it, that's where you're oh, just never going to have a good time. Because yeah, and that's where directing is. Another thing I learned is like, you can kind of direct yourself into a corner sometimes mm-hmm. if you try to get too in it. Yeah, because then you'll really get an actor's head, and then they start feeling like they're not doing a good job. And actors mm. like. God bless them, but they're very like, you know, focused on like, how am I looking and how am I right. sounding? Yep. And if they feel like they're not doing well, they're letting everyone down, then it's like you can have a bad situation. Luckily, that didn't happen too much, but yeah, it was. Uh, Sounds like you had people that knew what they were doing in your Yeah, shoot. I think so. And like, luckily, the two main actors in it, it's a very small cast. They knew the script like the back of their hands. So it wasn't like I had to remind them of the lines or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just. Yeah, some of the supporting actors definitely. We had that. We had to get them there for sure. But that's it's it's a ch- cool challenge, man. It's yeah. really fun. It's weird. I I always end up overdirecting people too, like because I like to explain my idea behind Dude. what I'm trying to do. Uh, it's like no, 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 yeah. no, no, mm-hmm. no. And don't like I also try to be like try to allude to what I'm looking for sometimes, like metaphorically. It's like mm-hmm. you know, imagine you're out like you know I don't know trying to get something like like I want you to look like you're having fun. Like imagine you just hit the perfect wave surfing, and there's like oh. Uh, yeah, and then like, you see it. him drifting away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But almost universally, like I always reel it in at the end with after you've gone through the scene, you've been a whole bunch of direction, and you're like, I got it. It's really all just been rehearsal for what's the actual take, which is all right, just give me a special. Just do your thing. Yeah. You got a good take, just play with it, have fun. Just do what you want to do, and I want you to go, you know, make it feel different than what everything else we filmed. Then suddenly you get something spontaneous, you get something mm. natural, they're having fun, they're committed, they're not in their head anymore. And then you actually get your good take right there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's a, that's always a fun gamble. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> sometimes it's like crazy, but yeah, I've, I've used that one a couple of times from you. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of techniques. Yeah. The special, you get the some special. stuff with the special. It depends <laughs> oh, on, it depends oh, on who it is. Say, huh? It depends on who it is. If you have a wacky character, like who's just going to, do something that's totally outside of the context of the scene, then you you know your specials might might not work. But depends. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the key in having good acting. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. They would know, ideally, what the character wouldn't do. I like always some... think back to. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you. No, I was just gonna fine. say. I always think back to when we were filming Rebel Blades and Lawrence Newman, yeah, <laughs> playing one of the soldiers. These yep. guys aren't actors. They're just like war recreation guys. And these are the guys that are like into playing the red coats in, in Revolutionary War recreations, which is like, it's such a specific, like, boy, you guys are like really nerding out hard, you know? 55th um, Regiment of Foot, Nico. Yes, that's right. They were good too. They were great. They were. Like when you had them play their characters that they LARPed all the time, you know, it's like yeah. they were really good. But, you know, having specific reactions to moments, that's that's acting. That's real acting. And that's not necessarily something they practice. You know, they practice being in character and like improving stuff. It's like, I need you to, you know, you get shot here by an arrow and you react to it, you know. And like, that's one of the things where, <laughs> so we're talking to Lawrence, like, you know, you're going to do this thing and the arrow is going to go through his face, right? He gets shot through the cheeks with an arrow. And, uh, you know, your face gets stuck in an expression of like, whoa, holy shit, combined with, oh my God, I just got shot with an arrow. And, 
he's like, okay, I think I'll try this. You know, he kind of like works on it. It's like, I'm going to go work on it for a little while. He literally goes and walks off on his own. He just practices making a <laughs> facial expression for a while. And he comes back and goes, all right, I was thinking I could do this. And he just goes, oh, <laughs> like that. I'm like, that's perfect. He's like, okay, cool. And then he walks off again. And then he practices just literally making that one expression over and over about five <laughs> minutes until it's time to shoot the shot. And he comes and he just nails it on the first day. Oh, nice. like, nice. Yes, I love this. Like, like no BS, no acting school, no, you know, I don't know, therapeutic emotional feeling stuff. Just pure yeah. mechanical. I'm going to move my muscles through this formation. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. The worst is when they go off for five minutes and they come back and it's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's the overthinking it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Man, there's so many Joey Triviati jokes happening. (laughs) If you know your friends' references. Yeah. Anyway. Whew. Well, what did we talk about? Is there anything else we want to go over? Ah. Nah, we covered it all. <laughs> That's it. This is Dude, everything, guys. We covered it all. We shot a video. We got okay. There's a two things I didn't want to talk about that are coming out in over the next few weeks. One is Ren's solar panels video. The other is Son of a Dungeon. So more on mm-hmm. that on the podcast as we move along here. Um, but uh, solar panels video has been what like a six month or six month six week production eight week production. That's a big video. That's a big video already. Right? Yeah. yeah, Matt, you've been yeah. in it. Yeah, me and Ren have been working pretty closely on that for the past month or two. <laughs> it's two months. Or two or um, three or three something. or four. I, or something like that. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and it's uh it's it's we're definitely making great progress on it. But um yeah, it's it's something that like is constantly being iterated on as we're editing it and working on it. So it's yeah. like oh, this is a this is like a, half of this this video is now a completely different thing. Um, and it's just like, it's just constantly, um, are you done filming voiceover for it? Oh uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. We actually did finish that. Ren's working on getting the cut in of that. So, Hey, look at that. Yeah. yeah. I was combining a little bit of work check-ins here with the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is what it's right. like to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever wanted to work at quarter digital, this <laughs> yeah. is what it's like just without, you know, the microphones. I'm just going to call you and go, Hey man. Uh, so, uh, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I have one more thing to say. Um, son of a dungeon. Should we should we tell people the official date? Because we're planning to tomorrow Ooh. on, Ooh. and so I feel like we should say yeah. it anyway. Do it. All right, two weeks, September 29th, Son of a Dungeon, first episode. Dun, dun, dun. It's not <laughs> just the first episode. And if you're first. subscribed to the site, you get episodes one and two. That's right, first two episodes dropping on the site. And you know we gotta drop we gotta YouTube. drop that first episode on YouTube to get people knowing what they're missing, you know, that's that whole mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Um, and then we're gonna roll them out weekly thereafter. And our boy Daniel, bless his heart, he's gonna take a break from <laughs> crew cuts episodes because my god, the kids produced over 90 of them. Yeah, wow. god. so many. Yeah, and he and he hasn't had a seasonal he hasn't had a season break yet. (laughs) So hashtag make Daniel stop working. Dude, hashtag yeah, yeah. hashtag turn off Daniel Daniel stop working. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, forced vacation. Yeah, yeah, man, I aspire I aspire to have like Daniel's dedication. Like he really he keeps me on the straight and narrow. So yeah. So he's yep. going to take a, a there's going to be a season one crew cuts break and then season two is going to start as Son of a Dungeon comes to a close. 
Hey, if you're um, listening to this podcast on YouTube and you've made it this far, I would like you to leave some appreciation. Oh, assuming you're also a website subscriber and you watch the, the crew cuts there, I would like you to leave some appreciation for Daniel in the comments below. Tell tell us, tell him a favorite scene, a favorite episode. Guys, like D in chat, D in chat yeah. for Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's about time. I mean, obviously there's cool comments on the website, but he deserves like, he deserves some love and on YouTube, you, you know, you get all this exposure, you get all these views and on the website, it's much more focused and you know, it's amazing people who have subscribed on the website and really enjoy our stuff, but we need to show him a little bit of that YouTube, YouTube love too. So mm-hmm. shout out to Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it. Let's get it. All right. Thanks for joining everybody until next time. Uh, Oh, we're going to do a premiere when Son of a Dungeon episode one comes out. We're going to do a YouTube premiere slash website premiere slash recorded live podcast where we react to people's comments, talk about the scenes. It's coming out. It's happening September 29th. So adios, amigos, and say la vie, and I don't know what else to say, but we'll see you on the next one. messed up the outro (laughs) (laughs) now we're done now we're cut